Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Maybe the most valuable thing that corporations create today is software. Just look at Google or Microsoft, two of the biggest companies in the history of the world, worth trillions of dollars, and they are built largely on lines of code that tell computers what to do. So maybe one of the most surprising things about the way technology works today is how much code people give away for free. In fact, most of the web runs on open source software, software that's free for anyone to use, tweak, adapt, and share. The internet, maybe the most important engine of 21st century capitalism, is built on top of this hippie-ish, open-source, free-to-be-you-and-me dream. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? My guest today is Matt Mullenweg. In 2003, Matt co-created WordPress, a piece of open-source software people could use to publish blogs. Today, WordPress powers more than 40% of all the websites in the world, hundreds of millions of sites. Matt is also the founder of a for-profit company called Automatic. His problem is this. How do you build a multi-billion dollar for-profit company on top of software that anyone can use for free? So what's WordPress? WordPress is an open source operating system for the web. So what's that mean? It means that uh, if you want to have a, a home on the web, a place that you call your own, uh, we used to call a domain. website back in my a website. Youth. Yeah, uh, WordPress can power that, and because it's uh, you know open source and created by the community, it's constantly getting better. So that when you choose WordPress, you're kind of hitching your wagon to a horse that is like on a really great path, and that a lot of other people are contributing to. You know, we do major new releases of WordPress three times a year, and typically five hundred plus people. Uh, work on every single release. And how many of those people are getting paid to work on the release? 
About 5%. So almost none. Almost so hundreds of people are doing it for free because they love it, because they believe in it. Because it's useful to them. So developers don't like writing the same code twice. Right? So often what they'll do is once they've solved the problem, they'll create what we, we usually call a library so that the next time another developer says needs to multiply two numbers together or um, combine, you know, take an image and turn it into grayscale, there's an existing function or library that does that. And uh, you put it out there and you publish it. Uh, today on the internet, you might publish that on a repository like GitHub, which is a you know, place where a lot of people put open source code. But regardless of how you put it out there, if you're building something now, um, a lot of what developers do is Google. <laughs> so they search. They say, okay, uh, how to turn an image to grayscale in Python, which is the name of a language, or PHP, which is the, another programming language. And then you'll see tutorials, and you see code examples, and you see all these sorts of things. And so that becomes kind of the shared knowledge that we use to uh, compose uh, larger and larger things. And what's nice is that, you know, maybe the first person who had to turn an image from color to grayscale, uh, that took them like five days to figure out, right? Because you have to look at all the color codes and then figure out where that maps to on the gradient of zero to 100 of white to black. Um, but now I could just Google for 30 seconds, have a function and have that. And then I move on to my next problem. And so this is basically what all modern technology is built on is people sharing what they've solved already and future people being able to build on top of it. I love it. And, you know, if you think of the like standing on the shoulders of giants metaphor, it's like the shoulders get higher and higher really fast this way, right? Because everybody builds their little block and then puts it out there and everybody can grab the next block. I mean, a question I have is if somebody is spending five days to learn how to do this one little thing, turn a color image into grayscale, and they're working for a for-profit company, like why would that for-profit company give away the product of that five days of labor that they just paid for? Well, maybe what that company is selling is advertising, and they don't really care about, <laughs> you know, turning images from color to grayscale. That's just something that was along the way. Uh -huh. um, like a Google, like a like Google, some coder or Instagram, was doing a thing. right? Yeah, or Instagram, you know? yeah, Instagram yeah. filter. Uh, so, I think that um, what's the motivation for people doing open source? And it's fun. Uh -huh. Again, one, if you're a coder, by the way, it is so cool to know that code you wrote is running billions of times a day <laughs> all around the world. That yeah. is like actually kind of like characters I typed on my keyboard are now being executed countless times all over the Internet. Um, that's kind of fun. So that I don't know. Maybe there's a thrill in that. I don't know yeah. what you would call that. Like the, yeah. the joy of a craftsperson seeing their work used. Yeah. So, okay. So, so that's an example of a thing that should be open source. Uh, is there any setting you can think of where it makes sense for an individual or a company for whatever reason to not make their software open source? Well, companies might say that this is my secret sauce. Reasonably so, right? Like that seems like a, like a software company is in the business of selling software in some instances. Yeah. Or no? Well, I mean, I don't know. Is it reasonable to say it's their secret sauce or do you think it's always a bad idea? I hold no judgment 
for how people choose to license their code, whether they choose to make it proprietary or open. I have personally chosen to devote my life, like the past, you know, 20 something years and however long I'm still able to uh, produce useful code to creating open things because I want to be part of upgrading humanity. I want to be a good ancestor. I want to make it so that the uh, generations after um, can benefit from the code I've written, the things I've learned, the work I've done and build on it in a way that um, takes us to ever greater heights versus having to reinvent the wheel over and over again. So, okay, so that's the open source piece of it. You've also built a big company that is for-profit that is adjacent, right? Tell me about that. Yeah, so I I was having so much fun doing open source. I had a question maybe similar to what you said earlier, which is like, how can I make a living doing this? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I love working with people and and uh, collaborating and making this shared resource for humanity. Uh, but I still have prosaic needs. I need to pay bills. So I started thinking what could be a business around this. So uh, I, I founded a company called Automatic. And basically we make uh, add-ons for WordPress. So we could sell a plugin that enhances your WordPress, but that costs extra money. Um, we make it easy to run WordPress. So WordPress is code that you can run yourself, but we can run it for you and make it really easy. So we charge for that. Um, and then we've expanded into other services, you know, around sort of creating more freedom on the web and trying to allow people to express themselves. It's something I, I personally get really jazzed about working on. And so uh, we have apps for podcasting uh, in podcast. We have apps for journaling in day one. You know, for private encrypted journals, for publishing in Tumblr and WordPress. So we're we're kind of a a little bit of a conglomerate now that makes lots of software that we hope uh, we hope we can fill up your home screen. Um, and more or less, how big is the business? How big is Automatic at this point? Way bigger than I ever expected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what started with me and a couple other folks just wanting to get paid to work on WordPress. We're now about two thousand people. And because we had this open source background of collaborating online, we've actually been fully distributed from the very beginning. So those 2,000 people are actually in 97 countries. Um, you were remote forever for 15 years. And then the pandemic came along and the world, for very unfortunate reasons, sort of caught up with you. Yeah. So there's one piece of it, uh, when I've heard you talk about it, that is particularly interesting to me. You tell me if I get it wrong, but it's this basic idea that when you really get to a high level of this remote or distributed work, people are mostly working asynchronously. So they don't have to be working at the same time. And you, you talk about this idea of moving from a sort of, you know, synchronous conversation-based work culture to an asynchronous writing-based work culture. And that that seems like a big, hard leap to me. Like, I write for a mm -hmm. living. I wrote a book. I wrote for newspapers. Like, I know how to write. But the idea of having, you know, a fundamentally writing-based uh, relationship with my colleagues rather than a fundamentally conversation, synchronous conversation-based relationship with my colleagues seems super hard. Like, that leap seems giant to me. So I'm curious how you've done it. There's so much opportunity in the world just from taking something 
that people take for granted uh-huh. and just take it off the shelf and use it exactly as it is and really breaking it down and questioning the assumptions. You know, I know we've done it this way for a hundred years, but what are we really trying to accomplish? And is there a different way we could accomplish the same thing? First principles, they call that? Yeah, that's how we arrived at asynchronous work. So by the way, this is kind of how open source works. Because right, when there's people all over the world working on a shared code base, right? The code exists on the internet. Anyone can go see it and make a change to it or propose a change to it. And uh, I don't need to be there while they're doing that. So I think that so much of our, particularly how we did information work, kind of inherited a corporate mentality from factories when you kind of do need everyone in the same building working on the same car to like build the car. But when I would walk through offices and just see, you know, rows and rows of people with headphones on looking at their computers, like, why do they need to be in the same room to do this? Yes. And what is the advantage of them being in the same room? Well, there's a difference between the same room and the same time, right? Like, I think I'm bought in on don't need to be in the same room. I, I'm struggling to make the leap of not at the same time for a lot of complicated communication. I really like to talk to people. I could tell. You're the right job. <laughs> I suppose I'm not a good, right, literally my job is talking to people synchronously. So maybe I'm the wrong person to evaluate that. So let me ask you this. In terms of, you know, you've been doing this, you've been running a distributed company for, what, 15 years now? More, right? For a long 17. time. So you know, I think you must know things that would be useful for lots of people to learn right now. Lots of people are trying to figure out things that you've spent 17 years figuring out, right? So is there some, you know, to be a little bit reductive or didactic, just things you've learned that you want to tell people who are just trying to figure out how to do distributed work that you learned the hard way? I'll say one, two things. One is a subset of the other. Um, So the first thing is there is so much benefit to invest in improving your writing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Clarity of written communication is a superpower. It will multiply everything you do. And, you know, written communication isn't everything. Yeah. Um, but if you can, you know, read a book about writing or edit your own writing, ask someone else to edit it, you know, whatever the process is that improves the quality of your, your written communication uh, will pay back many fold. Just, just to contextualize, I mean, presumably the idea is written communication becomes profoundly more important when you're working asynchronously, right? When you can't just have a conversation with your colleague, when you have to write them a message. Yeah, the written word uh, is really sticky. <laughs> we obviously yeah. have lots of options now, yeah. and yeah. there's still something about the written word that can, you know, move society. Yeah. You know, it can inspire, you know, thousands, millions of people. It can, you know, call people to the ocean. It can call people to war. It can call people, you know, make them imagine a world beyond and live yeah. their life in a totally different way. Just words on a page. And yet I find the hardest written communications for me in a work context, the place where I most want to have a synchronous conversation is where where there are emotional issues at play. When somebody's mad at somebody else and I'm trying to figure out what's going on, like that's Mm -hmm. when I really want a synchronous conversation because the tone and the subtext is what I find hardest to get 
uh, in in written communication. The, the sort of emotional subtext and like power dynamics. Those are the things that I find really hard in writing at work. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's a that's a good time to talk to someone. I, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue yeah. against that. <laughs> okay. Good. And uh, and it could be very valuable to you know, um, I one thing that's common for us is if we find we're typing to each other a lot and you know, just getting more and more worked up, it's yeah. a good time to pick up the phone. Yeah. Um, but writing is just a subset of communication, and you know, fundamentally all. All human problems are are usually a function of communication. Yeah. Right. The myth of separation, this idea that we're not all connected, and um, failures of communication are, I think, the source of all human suffering. After the break, how automatic competes against giant for-profit companies that also build on WordPress. And Matt's plans for Tumblr, the old social media platform that Automatic bought back in 2019. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show. 
So I, I'm curious, I find it interesting in general to talk to people about things they haven't figured out yet, things they're working on now, but don't quite know yeah. how to solve. So I'll, I'll say our big problem. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked a lot about open source and the fun of contributing. Um, now, and you said companies might not want to do that because they want to keep their secret sauce or something. There's another problem that happens. So open source can fail when it's successful uh, through something called the free rider problem. Uh -huh. So imagine if people got a lot of benefit from this open source code, but they didn't improve it. Uh -huh. They didn't give back their improvements. Um, and then the people who were working on improving it, you know, didn't get any of the benefit or money from it. And so they eventually just gave up and worked on other things. And then the sort of core would die. So I would say the big problem of open source is how to close the loop of people using it and contributing to it. Uh -huh. So in WordPress, for example, you can get WordPress from my company, Automatic at WordPress.com. Um, you could also get it from GoDaddy or from Bluehost or from Amazon or Google or a lot of other places. And these companies will take your money, but they won't put any of that back into developing WordPress. And just to be clear, GoDaddy is using WordPress. They're taking the WordPress yeah. uh, software that is created by everyone in the world all the time, and they're using it because it's open source and they can. Uh, but they're not sort of part of this open source community. They're just taking the software and selling it to me. Which is totally fine. A hundred percent allowed okay. by the license, by the community, by everything. And they're not breaking the rules, but, but so why is it a problem? What's the problem? I guess another way to frame the problem would be that the companies who are only motivated by profits. Yeah could outcompete the companies that also contribute back could, could out some portion of the you, resources. Right? Like at yeah. some point they could outcompete automatic. And so you've built this thing and you are dedicating your life to the open web and open source, but they might, I don't know, execute better, be better capitalized and put you out of business and sort of shut down the openness. So one example is like by taking some of those profits and investing in advertising. Uh -huh. So now all of a sudden they're buying Super Bowl commercials or buying ads on Google so that when you search for WordPress, you know, the first four or five results aren't like actually the community. They're someone paying to be at the top. And so kind and of the real. capital that, begets capital. That is yeah. happening, right? Like GoDaddy 100%. had a Super Bowl ad. Yeah. So what do you do about that? Well, I thought I could go on podcast and tell people about it, and that might help. <laughs> Here we are. It's not a Super Bowl ad, but it's what I got. Well, I think that I think that people really care. So if they knew about the philosophy and the community and kind of what we're trying to create over the long term, and that we're trying to build software that's going to be around in a hundred years, people would be excited to be a part of that. And Luckily, money can't buy love, right? <laughs> so uh, there's, there's forces in the universe and in, even in capitalism far, far stronger than dollars. Yeah. And so essentially what we're betting on is that those forces win in the long term. But 
we also have to do a good job at telling our story, at being out there, at sort of making it easy for people to contribute and get involved. If we don't do a good job there, WordPress will fail and it will die and it will just be, you know, one of the thousands of open source projects that have withered on the vine and died. Uh, but if we get this right, it could be something that, you know, a thousand years from now, they're running WordPress on Mars or in other galaxies. <laughs> uh, that is a good big that's a good big frame uh, WordPress in another galaxy, like not even another solar system. Just go all the way. <laughs> um, let's talk briefly about Tumblr. How's Tumblr going? You bought it. I downloaded it for this conversation. I don't quite get it. Like, can you help me get it? Help me love Tumblr. Uh, Tumblr is a blogging system. It's a social network. It was one of the original ones. It was quite good. Um, under after it got bought for a billion dollars by yahoo in like 2012 um it was kind of mismanaged and withered a bit on the vine uh we bought it to revive it and part of why we bought it was it turned out the kids are still there <laughs> so oh, tumblr's no. primary demographic is 13 to 24. so i think always youth has wanted a place where their parents weren't someplace that was uh was maybe a little even harder to figure out, <laughs> kind of like Snap was in the early days. So like, I'm not supposed to get it. The fact that I don't get it is a feature, not a bug. I buy that. Well, I I would say that the fact that you don't get it right now is probably why kids love it. Yeah, I buy that. <laughs> or or younger that. folks uh, yeah. really like like having their own space. Yeah. So essentially, by anchoring Tumblr on art and artist, which was always kind of the core of it, like people sharing their creativity. Um, we're creating like a third space, like a place that's not like you need to be professional like LinkedIn or be fancy like Instagram, but someplace you can just go like be weird, be creative, be yourself. <laughs> and it turns out the internet wants that and needs it. Now, our challenge is um, running a social network is both technically and logistically very difficult uh, to make the algorithms that show people what they want, but don't inflame things to garden and curate the community so that it has positive interactions, but not like hate speech or violence or anything like that is, um, you know, you'll never hear me criticize Facebook for that because it is a really, really hard problem to do at scale. Tell me, so, you know, tell me about the, well, I assume based on what you said before that, that, Tumblr is open source. I mean, it's sort of fitting into your broader galactic worldview. Uh, and what does that mean, right? So what does it mean to have an open source social network? And in what important ways is it different from other big social networks along that dimension? So Tumblr, Tumblr was and is proprietary software when we bought it. But what we're doing is we're actually switching it to WordPress. So okay. one of the projects, and it's going to take years, uh, because it's it's big. There's over half a million blogs on Tumblr that we okay. got to migrate over. So it's just a lot of data, a lot of things to port. Uh, but we're actually switching those all to be powered by WordPress underneath. And so those will all be part of the open web as we do it. So like in terms of whatever algorithms there are that, you know, shows you content or serves you ads, like are those open or will, it will be? be? Yeah. Uh -huh. So that's, that's what that's what we're creating. We're literally building that right now. 
So you'll be able to see like, yeah. oh, why am I getting served these certain things? You'll be able to see exactly the code that's choosing which posts that are served at the top for you. And you'll be able to choose other algorithms if you want. Maybe create your own and put it up there. That feels big and exciting to me. Is it? And if so, why? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, this hasn't been done before. It's kind yeah. of new yeah. in society. Uh, but fundamentally, I want people to have freedom and autonomy. And right now, you you know, you get whatever algorithm TikTok, Facebook, Instagram decide to serve you. And that aligns with your interests to an extent. It also aligns with their interests to an extent. Like what will happen if we allow people to have complete autonomy and choice there? Um, maybe it fails because people say they just want to, you know, see NPR or New Yorker articles. <laughs> but, you know, when TikTok serves them, you know, the the more like carbohydrates of, of information or entertainment, that's what they actually choose. Yeah. Uh, so they say they want to eat healthy, but they really choose something else. But that seems I don't know. plausible. When you put it that way, it seems plausible. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, naturally, I could put you know, a thousand candies in front of you. And at some point you'd stop eating them. In a minute, the lightning round, including a couple things Matt thinks should not be open sourced and his favorite feature on a very high-end toilet. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, 
even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Now let's get back to the show. Let's do the lightning round. Um, given that you've been sort of, you know, building the web in a pretty significant way for 20 years or so, what do you think you understand about the, the web that most people don't? Something I understand about the web that most people don't is that we don't have to accept things the way things are. It is eminently possible to change it and modify it, especially on the web. And it can be so incredibly freeing. What's your favorite feature on a Toto NeoRest toilet? <laughs> uh, definitely the heated seats. Nice. Um, what's something in the world that should not be open sourced? Doesn't have to be software, just anything. To me, open source, you want to see more of. So if there were technology for harming people, uh, I wouldn't want that shared or open source. Weapons, viruses, etc. Is it right? Do you play jazz saxophone? Is that right? I do. Or I did. Who do you think is a particularly underrated jazz musician? A particularly underrated jazz musician? Ooh. Um, give me a moment. Uh, Jacob Collier. He's actually seen as a little bit of a pop musician. He came up on YouTube and everything, but I think he's one of the most talented instrumentalists alive today. Wow. Interesting. Good. Um, I've also read that you can type really fast using the, is it the Dvorak keyboard? Like the other keyboard that's like better, basically. Um, and I'm curious, are there other sort of optimizations, life hacks like that, that you've done? Are there other things where you've just done the better way thing that most people don't do? Yeah, typing is definitely a different typing layout is, is something I'm glad I invested in many years ago. Um, you know, the other thing is it just, in technology, it really does benefit you to update as frequently as possible. And so I'm always surprised when I see people with an older phone or computer or who have a ton of app, app updates they haven't applied, especially when you think of how many times you look at your phone and how much time you spend on these tools. Um, assuming you do, I think it is worthwhile to always uh, invest in the latest and greatest. Good. Okay, two more. What's one piece of advice you'd give to somebody trying to solve a hard problem? Uh, unplug. So just force yourself to be bored and sit with it. Meditate, take a walk, but like remove yourself from distractions. If everything goes well, uh, what problem will you be trying to solve in five years? I think how to to manage and scale a 10,000 person plus organization. How big is it now? 2,000. So that's a lot of growth. Getting from two to 10, it's a big leap already. Yeah. 
Matt Mullenweg is the co-creator of WordPress and the founder of Automatic. Today's show was produced by Edith Russelo, edited by Robert Smith, and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and I would love to know what you think of the show, what you want us to do differently, what guests you think we should book. Uh, please, really, please uh, email us at problem at pushkin.fm. Once again, that's problem at pushkin.fm. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Goldstein. We'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you, and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself... I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today.